Hey everyone, it's Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. And today, I get to sit and chat with Lamide, and I can't wait because I know that she has so many gems and aha moments we're going to have as we sit down and talk. So, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I always like to ask people starting off, um, what would people be surprised to know about your journey as a storyteller? Like, what would they not know about the process of you getting to where you are today? I think one of the things that I, people might be surprised to know is that almost nothing has gone according to the plan. <laughs> Everything has been a mistake that somehow, or like some kind of thing that I never foresaw. Um, almost everything I planned for did not work out. And then it led me somewhere else in, in my journey. So essentially I end up in places that I didn't have any idea I was going to be in. So I think that people would find that a little bit surprising. Um, you know, my first job in TV was a complete, I won't say a fluke, but I was, I was interviewing for radio jobs and they didn't work out. And so I, you know, um, I got an interview for a TV station and ended up getting that job and I became a news anchor. Um, I didn't plan on doing TV at all. And that's now what I'm known for. So it's kind of like a weird thing that even my beginning in that journey was like completely, you know, <laughs> not in the plan for me. So uh, same thing with a couple of the other jobs that I've worked at or gotten. It's like, I never thought I would be doing them. I didn't plan on doing them. Something that I did plan didn't work out and I got redirected. And that's where, you know, I guess I just kind of ended up there. And that's how my journey has been. That's so funny because at, like literally last night I was writing in my journal because I, I write in my journal while I try to every night. But just because I have the, how the world has been, I just haven't dedicated time. And that's literally what I wrote in my journal last night. Like I cannot imagine where I am today. Like I had a plan and this was not the plan at all. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I completely get you. Yeah. So um, did you know, like starting off at a young age that you wanted to be in the media um, realm of things? Not at all. So um, I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer. So when I, um, when I, when I got to college, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do pre-law because, you know, all my life, my family was like, you talk so much, you argue a lot, you should be a lawyer. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's what I meant to be. And so I was like, yeah, I think I'll do law, you know, justice, arguing, talking. Sure, that sounds great. And like semester one, I was like, nah, nah, <laughs> I'm not gonna do, no, this is not it. I took a, an elective, I think that first semester or second semester, and it was a broadcast TV radio uh elective. And I was like, Oh, I love this. I love this. And so I told my parents, you know, the thing about Nigerian parents is many of them can be very sort of um, overbearing <laughs> in their children's lives in the sense of they want the best for you. And they usually feel like the best is, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, something like that, you know, something along those like professional lines that has a guaranteed sort of path and not something that's a little bit like, woo, woo, you know, things could go anyway. <laughs> um, and so 
my parents were very, very supportive and very cool. They were just like, just don't waste our money. It's expensive <laughs> to send you to school. So, you know, we're paying dollars. <laughs> we don't live in America. <laughs> so you better make sure you do well, whatever you want to do, you know. And for them, it was more important that A, I did well. B, I was enjoying what I wanted to do. I didn't just get stuck in a, you know, in a field that made no sense. And they didn't put their own sort of aspersions on me. So they were like, okay, sure, go ahead. And so um, I ended up, you know, with, I started with a couple of electives and I changed my major and I just was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to do. And that's how I sort of found um, my storytelling, I guess, beginnings. And I, I totally get that. Mine was a little bit opposite as far as I went to school, undergrad, counseling. And then I had this whole like, I had this moment where I was like, this is not it. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. So we have a lot of women that listen that are, you know, like in the middle of transitioning careers Mm -hmm. and they listen in and they just feel like, okay, I took that initial step and I, you know, maybe they went back to school or they've taken some courses. The thing that people Mm -hmm. always ask me is like, you know, what's next? So how have you like, what did you do once you got out of school? Like, how did you find your footing in this field that's usually like not, it's not dominated by women? Right. So my story is a little bit, uh, I guess, different in the sense that, um, okay, so I'm Nigerian originally. I left Nigeria when I was, I think, about 11, went to high school and A-levels in London, and then I moved to the States. The plan, I really didn't know what I, I, assumed that I would get a job in States for, for another year um, for jobs in media. And I got so many no's and I got so many kickbacks and someone actually sent me a message, you know, um, when I applied for a job saying, listen, we're not going to, it's very unlikely that you're going to find a job. It's hard to, you know, file for paperwork for somebody who's just entry level. Mm-hmm. So, so we just, you know, kind of like stop trying. I mean, I did keep trying, but really, I really wasn't getting any opportunities that I liked. And so my parents were like, look, just come back home, mm-hmm. see what you can do here. And then in a few years, if you want to just go back, because then you'll have more experience and then you can actually apply for jobs that are, um, you know, higher than entry level and you have a better chance. And so I came back, home, I guess, networking and connections come come in. Um, I started, I moved back home. I started, you know, looking for jobs. I didn't really find, I wasn't really finding anything in radio that was working out. And uh, my mom knew somebody who had um, a TV station. He used to be a news anchor and he started a private TV station called Channels TV, Mr. John Momo. And she was like, I'm going to ask him if he's hiring, if they're doing any hiring in there, you know, at their station. And you can just go and see if you could get a job, like maybe an intern, something just, you know, so that you're not like depressed at home. Right. The job. And I had an interview on Friday and he was like, okay, when can you start? And I started on Monday. And that is how I got my first job is basically a reporter, general research, you know, around the newsroom. And from there, it was just like, you know, worked super hard, tried to, you know, keep my nose down, do as, you know, as good a job as I could. And, uh, you know, I think a, a, few, a couple months later or so, I got the chance to actually go on air and do some reports. And from there, I just grew and grew and grew and essentially became, you know, one of the uh, one of the main anchors of, of the news for that for the channel. That's really I mean, that's really awesome, too, because I, I tell people that all the time and I think they think that I'm just making it up. 
uh, in reference to networking and like mm-hmm. it matters who you, you know, not it matters who you know, but like you need to have relationships with people because that yes. has been everybody's story that I have talked to. Like I couldn't get in the door, but somebody that I knew was like, hey, I'll put in a good word for you. Or Absolutely. And the thing that, you know, I just had to, and I think that everyone needs to remember is, you know, the thing about networking is and connections, it's just great when you, that you have them and it's great when you're able to, you know, leverage your relationships and say, oh, can you just, you know, do a connection email or something. But when you get that opportunity, you need to do the work and be excellent because that connection just gets the door open a little bit of a crack, but you need to really like do the work. You need to be excellent. You need to stand out. You need to make sure that that, that connection, that, you know, um, networking wasn't in vain you know so yeah yes so then how did you pivot to producer because you know we talked about producing a little bit the other day when we had a chance to chat but how did you go from okay I'm on air and I get to you know basically tell the story verbally so now I'm producing you know what I want to see so I I don't know how normal people do it Um, but I I I feel like I had to produce because in most of the situations that I was in with work I would find that you know sometimes I wouldn't be satisfied with certain things and so I would just do them myself Mm -hmm. and I didn't really know that that was producing in a sense right so I would want to talk to a specific kind of person for an interview show, or um, I would, I would want some kind of certain arrangements to be made for some kind of production that I was taking part in. And because I couldn't, this might be a little bit of also like control freak behavior, but (laughs) because I couldn't necessarily, I didn't really want to let go and let other people do it and, you know, trust that they would do it. Well, this is not really about them. It's more about me. Um, I would just do it myself. And with, being um, uh, a news anchor and being um, a TV presenter um, for Ebony Life, which was which I started in 2013, um, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, you're also in front of the camera, but you most of the work needs to be done behind the camera. So you need to make sure that everything is done properly so that when you're in front of the camera, you feel comfortable and confident in what you're doing. So I would kind of say that for people who want to venture into that, it's almost like you need to maybe find a, find a team or a show that you really, you know, or, or whatever you do have access to, right? Mm-hmm. The production team on that, like just start doing the work with them, like start figuring out where can I, what are my strengths, right? Am I great with organizing? Am I great with logistics? Am I great with planning? Like what are the things that I'm really good at? And then how can you be of value to that team or wherever it is that you have access to? Um, I don't know that that's the best advice I could give because my, as I said, my journey is not conventional. I didn't say one day, oh, I just want to produce. I sort of had to do it. And everything I've done, almost everything I've done, I've also like been part of the production team. So either like with co-creating a show you know, figuring out what the topics were, figuring out who the guests were going to be, and then figuring out how to get them to my set and then presenting the show and making sure everything was like, you know, on board, very sort of unconventional. With what I do now in terms of um, freelance production, it's because of what I did before and because I did all those other things before 
that I was able to get that shot to even start doing the freelance production for the news organization that I work with now. Um, you know, so I do freelance production with CNN. So because of what I did before, that stood me in good stead chance to see if you can do some of the stuff that we want to do here, you know, right now. So I would say wherever you have access, start there, figure out where you can plug into a team that exists and then observe learn from the people who have strengths that are sort of different from yours and see what it actually does take because you have to build up a little bit of a reputation in terms of people knowing what you can do and what value you bring to the team. And when they know that, then that stands you in good stead for the next thing, for the next thing and for the next team. Um, they can recommend you for other jobs, you know, things like that. So I would say, you know, start by doing, start by seeing where you can find some access and just plugging in. And if you feel like you see something where you don't necessarily have access, but you feel like you could be of value, reach out. Like the worst they'll say is no, mm-hmm. you know, reach out and say, okay, I'd like to really get into production. Um, is there an opportunity on your production team? I really, you know, enjoy this show, blah, blah, blah. And these are the things that I'm great at. You know, if they haven't been doing production, if they haven't been doing something necessarily in that field, they can, you know, because the, the thing about production is it's a lot of like logistics, planning, organization, right? So if you have any of those skills, if you're, if you're like, you know, detail oriented, if you have a passion for, you know, um, organizing things and making sure things are going, you know, like well, then that's a skill that you can use for so many things in life, but it's really, really good with production. So you just take the skills that you do have and then say, these are the skills I have and I can apply them to this particular area. And I would really love to be able to do that on your team and see what they say, you know? I think that's kind of uh, maybe the best advice I could, I could give. And I think that's really good advice as well. And then for the people, because I do know, you know, you're a freelancer and um, you're able to work with CNN. So for the people who have it, you know, under their belt and they've been doing it, you know, more on an indie level, then how is that transition? Because that's, I feel like that's the middle space that we don't usually talk about where it's like we can give beginners information and then we can kind of see people when they've reached their peak. But it's that yeah. middle space where it's like, okay, I want to reach out and like work or um, be a freelancer for a CNN or whatever uh, media company. So I think that's the space where people don't get it, how to, yeah. le- how to go to that door and say, okay, I have these skills to offer. Um, especially when it comes to the money part, because we talked about that before. Like, how do I know how much to charge? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, it's a lot of knocking on doors. Again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, relationships, and you also mentioned relationships, rather, networking, connections, you know, just like people that you know. If I wasn't recommended for the CNN thing, for example, I would never, you know, I don't know, I might have gotten it, but I was recommended and then I went and, you know, had a, you know, had a chat with some of their senior producers and it just so happened that, you know, Hey, this, this, this could, this was something that could work. Um, Definitely. I think that with money and like making sure that you're valued properly for what you do and what you bring to the table, you have to do a lot of research. It was a little bit challenging for me because in this space, not a lot of people, I knew, actually no one I knew was doing this. And so it was almost like there was no one I could ask. And so I had to sort of just guess and hope for the best. And to be very honest, like no organization is going to be like, oh no, that's too low. We want to pay you more. Like, <laughs> they have a budget, you know, and um, if you come in below that budget, they're not necessarily 
necessarily not not a lot of them will say oh no we can pay you more let's let's pay you an extra you know 10 bucks or 100 bucks they'll say oh okay well if she's if she's going to ask for that then we can use that towards something else you know what i'm saying so and also i think as women it's just very important to you know know your worth and ask for it so i would say a lot of research and you know take it from my failures because i definitely didn't do a good job of doing that is like research um sort of general industry benchmarks you can sort of find some of that information online like what's a great hourly rate for a producer right so for this you know sometimes they pay an hourly and not hourly i'm sorry daily daily rate for production so like you know researching what the daily rates are or if it's a temp thing for a month or two months or six months find out if it's a you know um monthly payment they would make and what the expectations are and then you add on there like you know what's your skill level what's your experience level um what are the other things that you can bring to bear like I could say, for example, oh, well, I have this network within Nigeria and I, you know, I've been here 10 years and I, I've been in the journal business for a long time. And so I have a lot of people that I know. So it's unlikely that there'll be a story where I can't at least find somebody who can talk about stuff. Right. So there was my network, which was an, you know, which was an um, asset. There's also like, I've been doing this 10 years. I've been working, you know, in this field for 10 years. I'm not, you know, a beginner. There was that. You know, so then you look at all those things and then you say, oh, okay, I'm going to add some money onto that. And the thing is also not to be afraid to ask for a lot because, again, the worst they'll say is no. And then you can say, okay, no problem. Well, what is your offer? And then you kind of get a better idea of where you should be, you know, sort of sitting in that, in that, um, in that field, in that, in that, in that bracket, in the price bracket. That was good uh, feedback, especially where you said, you know, knowing your value, because it's very easy to talk yourself out of what you naturally do, yes. what, where you have access to, the people you're connected to. I don't think a lot of times we look at that as value. Yes, yes, most definitely. I think, you know, with even just with regular, like, even if you don't, you're not talking about being a producer, just being in the media and storytelling space we don't realize the things that we bring to the table in terms of like, because we take it for granted. Oh yeah, I know this person. And oh yeah, I mean, I know someone who works at this place and I know someone who works here. I know I have a family member who works there or who does this or who knows this person. All those things are currency because if there was, if I knew, so if somebody was to say to me now, oh, I'd really like to do a story on, you know, black female um, filmmakers, you know, in America, I'd be like, well, I know somebody who I could talk to who has a great network. They don't know Siobhan, but I know Siobhan. Right. That's value. Because they, they'd first have to go through their Googles. Then they'd have to look for contact information. Then they'd have to contact you and hope you would get back to them. But I already have a direct line. So I'd be like, I'm going to call Siobhan and tell her, hey, we're doing something on this. You know, can you, can you can, would you be available? Or if, if you're not interested, do you know somebody who might be interested? It's all about that. And that is valuable. I'm saving that person, that, that third person, like time and effort, because I already have a relate some sort of relationship with you and that saves them something and that is a value so we need to also like be able to really sit in that space where we can say you know what who i am and what i know and the people i know i bring all of that with me for whatever it is that i'm doing and that's worth something so yeah that's good thank mm -hmm. you look i'm gonna run that back and 
play it for myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's currency. And we yeah, we definitely don't look at it as an exchange and what we bring. So thank you. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. That helps me. And I'll say one thing too about, you know, because I mean we I know we talked just before this, we talked about like money and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I said you look, you have to be you <laughs> have have the have the um confidence of a white man like (laughs) yes ask for at least like if you think that you know your time is worth a certain number double it and then ask yeah legit the worst thing they will say is no and always negotiate the first number is never the final number they already want you so the first number is not the final number like it's just a guide so if i say oh no this is going to be you know, I don't know, a hundred bucks or 200 bucks. And they say, oh no. Then I'm like, oh, okay. 195. I'm not, you know, well, I say, well, what's, your, what's your, what's your number? And then they can tell me, and then we can come to a sort of a happy medium and figure it out. And yeah, it's not always all about numbers, but you know, the number is a good place to start. So yeah. That's good. I hope everybody who listens in later, you, you get that and you're gathered and it's, it stays resonated with you. Uh, <laughs> So I do want to ask you, especially because uh, just where we are right now in time and what's going on around the entire world, what mm-hmm. stories are important for you to be telling right now? Like, what do you want to tell? I am, it's, it's, so much of it is like this emotional um, roller lookers. I'm trying to deal with like my own feelings about stuff. And also I think for me, being that I'm not, I'm not American, but I lived there and I used to visit there, you know, even before I went to school there, like I used to visit almost every year and I've visited almost every year since I've been back. So, and I have my family there. I have so many friends there. And so I have, I'm like a one leg in one leg out (laughs) kind of, you know, in the sense that I know what it feels like to be there because I know what it felt like for me as a black woman in America doing just, you know, living life. Right. Mm-hmm. But also, it's important to me to tell, you know, um, African stories, Nigerian stories, mm-hmm. and I'm really passionate about stories that bring knowledge, but also bring joy and also show like the breadth of who we are. So with what's going on, I think there's so much news about like, there's so much fantastic news about the, the moments of triumph that are coming out of this, yes. the moments of connection that are coming out of this. The moments of interconnectivity because in the past the past couple of weeks like right after George Floyd was murdered and we saw that news even here in Nigeria that same week there were several stories um, here about young girls and you know yeah young girls actually I'll say young girls and women and young ladies being um, being raped, attacked, murdered, right? There was a flurry of stories and it seemed like it was just back to back to back. And I feel like even though already here, we make a lot of noise about it. We make a lot of, you know, like online, we talk about it. We talk about what to do, how to change things. I felt like the emotion and the things that, and the anger that we were already feeling from just seeing one of our own, because I I don't think anybody, you know, would see that and would feel detached from it. Like that could be, you know, your dad, your brother, whatever, you know what I mean? And I feel like some of what we saw galvanized us here to, to speak a little bit louder and like make more noise about it, like have more, you know, just 
we saw the protests. We saw, you know, what happens when people are really angry and they're just like, you know what? We need to do something. And there were protests here as well about the same thing in two different cities, you know, three different cities. And we're doing, you know, we're still doing the, you know, making noise. And, and you know, yesterday um, it was great because we got some really positive news about the governors um, making sure that they, they declare a state of emergency on gender-based violence. And that was like a big win. And I feel like we connected in a sense to the feelings, the emotions, the, the anger of, and the, the need for justice. Yes. Stories of joy, stories of justice, stories of connection, um, stories that sort of bring forth the, that, that togetherness that we have, you know, the fact that even though we're thousands of miles away from each other, we stand in solidarity. And we're also inspired to cry out for justice where we are for the things that affect us here on a daily basis as well. That's it. And definitely, I liked when you said um, that it's also important to like make sure that we're showing like the joy or the things that are coming out of it that are good. Because I think it's we can become so focused and not that it, we don't need to be aware or educated, but we can be so focused on like negativity that we start to have hopelessness. And you know, when we have no hope, then it's very hard to produce anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't. Yeah. You, you, I think when you are in this storytelling lane or business, there comes a time when you need to be able to, Take the feelings that you have and use them to produce something that you can be proud of, but also know the line where you're going to sort of, where you, you feel, but you can't feel so much that it stops you, as you said, from not being able to produce anything. Because, you know, it's a responsibility as a storyteller in these times to be able to use all this stuff that's happening and bring something beautiful out of it. So while it's important to feel and, you know, let the, and process those feelings, you also really know that like, okay, at some point I have to kind of press pause on myself. You have to look at things and then assess sort of like, what from this thing, what can I, what can I do to teach people or inform people or make them smile or make them laugh? And then, you know, sort of think about that as a responsibility because that's what storytelling is. Like it's a responsibility to take what we all see and bring together from it something that we can all then learn from or enjoy together. Yes. So what's next for you? What is on your plate as a storyteller? Um, and where can we like hope to see more of your work? Okay, so right now I'm in a weird space in the sense that I've been working on a documentary. And when I say working on, I've had a few months where I haven't really done much on it because life, but it's a passion project that I have. Um, and it's a, I actually have two projects and they're both about music. They're both about Nigerian music. One is sort of a documentary series on um, like our evergreen music, our evergreen songs here in Nigeria. Some of, some of them wide or in the, in the diaspora with, uh, you know, Nigerians in the diaspora or black people in the diaspora. Mm -hmm. And the second one, which is the one I've sort of been working on is actually a story about my dad. 
he's a musician and a producer, music producer. And um, he has this really, I'm biased, but it's a very interesting story. Um, he produced some of the greatest music um, in Nigeria in the 90s. And he used to be in a band in the 1970s. And so it's a project that I've sort of been working on, trying to tell like the story of Nigerian music, but through his story. And it's been a bit of a challenge because for different reasons, uh, but that's kind of what I'm working on personally as a personal project. In terms of my work right now as well, like a lot of the features I work on for CNN, I've been doing a lot of those and those a rhythm with the documentary and start filming some more once COVID gives us free. Give us um, free. <laughs> um, yeah, it needs to give us free. I don't know, right now in Nigeria, the numbers are going up. So it's just a little bit dicey. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping to continue with that because I think that right now Nigerian music is having such a great, you know, like rep outside of Nigeria. A lot of people know about Afrobeats, which they call it. I don't like the term, but they, that's what they call it. Um, a lot of people know it and love it. And a lot of the artists now, the young artists are doing so well here and outside of Nigeria. But there's this group of like Nigerian music, um, like industry, I guess, greats, mm-hmm. um, musicians and producers and record label owners who did so much with basically nothing and it's it's like it's history it's our history it's our culture and I just think it's so important to tell those stories because nobody knows like what they went through nobody knows the things that they had to do nobody knows you know like how we got to where we are today with Nigerian music because we haven't really looked back at those stories and so that's kind of what I want to do with some of the work that I'm doing is to tell those different stories so that we can understand like holistically how we got here You know, you don't know, you can't, you know, you can't know where you're going until you know where you're coming from. I think that's the saying. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do. So, yeah. Well, whenever it's done, I look forward to it because I love documentaries. Yes. I also um, love just, when you were talking about your dad and wanted to tell his story, if I could Mm -hmm. convince my dad to let me tell his story about him and his siblings and a friend they had a band and like they were really good and I didn't know how good they were and so yeah he's like he tries to downplay it he's like it's not major I'm like y'all had real records like y'all were good so humble and we're like no you need to tell us yes tell us all the things (laughs) right because it's just it's just answer. I think also, like you said, for the new generation, just to know, you know, like what they did, what they had to go mm-hmm. through, and that they were still able to produce something amazing. Um, yes. I just think that's really important to tell because even now, I have a nephew. He's three. I, he put like he picked up and like loves music and plays the drums, and I'm just like, where did it come from? I'm like, oh, go yeah, Right. And it's like, we don't talk about it. We don't share those like beautiful things about our history. So yeah. yeah. And that's a big part of like just black joy because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to remember that even in their times, right. They were going through like, this was the sixties and seventies. So I'm sure like for your dad, even like sixties, seventies, eighties, even nineties, like there was so much stuff that black people had to go through, you know? So like being able to create, 
in all that and create something beautiful like that's like triumph that's a story of triumph and like that story deserves to be told yeah that's what I, I I looked up or scribbled something I was saying you know our joy is also uh it's a weapon like yes it's a tool for us to be able to fight because it's like we need that joy we need to see it we need to see those images we need to see those stories so I'm here for it. I can't wait until you tell these stories. <laughs> God's help. Listen, I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, help me. <laughs> yes, I'm going to pray and be like, God, come through for your daughter and help her out. <laughs> yes, amen. Thank you. I received that prayer and I thank God in advance for the answer. <laughs> Listen, I'm here yeah. for it. When you it comes out, I will definitely have you back on the show so we can talk about it and tell me how thank it unfolded. <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. So thank you for being on. Um, do let people know how they can connect with you, website, social media, those type of things. Absolutely. So um, my website is www.lamidelive.com. That's L-I-V-E. Um, and on social media, I am Lamide underscore A on Instagram, L Akintobi, which is my last name, L-A-K-I-N-T-O-B-I on Twitter. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. All right. So everyone, if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast, that you are rating us and that you are letting other people know because you know my motto is don't talk about it, be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams. Until next time.